Welcome to Breaking Bread. Welcome to Fellowship in the Word with Minister Daniel Abola. Here is where you receive insights about God's Word that will stir you to action. Be blessed. Welcome to another Breaking Bread Bible study. Um, you're welcome to Breaking Bread. Here is where you will receive insights about God's Word that will stir you to action. As the words come, the convicting power of the Holy Ghost births in us the willingness to do. Kalamandos, the willingness to do for his God that works in us both to will and to do. As we place the word of God like a mirror before us, Mandokoto, we keep before us the image which we have seen. In the name of Jesus, we do not forget. We are not forgetful hearers, but we are doers of the word. In the name of Jesus, the word becomes real to us. It becomes real to us. In the name of Jesus, we take it and we war with it. We walk with it. We walk in it. In the name of Jesus, the word is lamp to our feet, light to our path. We walk in it. In the name of Jesus. Father, as we go into your word, the word births in us the willingness to do in the name of Jesus, your word is not without effect in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we remember these things because it abides in our heart. It abides in our heart. Like seed planted upon the soil of our heart, it grows and bears much fruit. In the name of Jesus, your word abides in us and we bear much fruit. We bear much fruit. We are bound to many works. In the name of Jesus, we honor your word. We honor your word. In the name of Jesus, we receive it, we receive it with meekness. We receive it with meekness. Kalamandosh. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. All right. And I want to go a little deeper into what breaking bread is about. Let me tell you something. The idea behind breaking bread is that you take the words that you receive and that you begin to walk them. You begin to put them to practice. Do you understand? That is how the word of God benefits us. Scripture says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So we live by the word of God. We live it. We live it out. We walk it out in our lives because the word of God is for us. It is sent to us. It has changing ability. It's supposed to do something in us. So we respond. There should be a response. It should birth faith in your heart. It shouldn't be. The word of God shouldn't come to you and then leave you the same. Praise God. So I want you to know that the word of God is walkable. It's not burdensome. You can, you can put it to practice in your life. You can see it. You can see the result, the impact. Paul says that your profiting appears. Your profiting can appear. Your profiting can appear to all men. People can know that you have spent time with Jesus. They can know that you have spent time in the word. Praise God. 
And that's the idea behind breaking bread. That in our day, we see more and more people putting the word of God to practice in their lives. Praise God. Putting the word of God to practice in their lives. Enough talk. Enough reading about it. Enough hearing about it. It is time to take it and put it to practice. Praise God. And I have got news for you. God, God is not, God is not a respecter of persons. Praise God. Whoever is obedient and calls upon his name, whoever is willing, whoever is willing, God will come to that person. Praise God. God will come to that person. You will see the result in your life. God, God can show himself mighty in your life if you just decide to yield to him. He doesn't, he doesn't judge by age, by social status, by, by, by what you think of yourself. Praise God. It is by his word. And if you embrace his word, you will see his hand in your life. Praise God. Scripture says that by faith, we believe that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The worlds, everything that we see, everything that we can touch, it was framed. The word of God gave it, gave it shape. The word of it was constructed by the word of God. That's how, that's how powerful the word of God is. How much more in your life? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So I want to do a very special Bible study. Um, it is something that the, the Lord laid urgently in my heart. And so I wanted us to look into the scriptures together. For those of us that don't know what is breaking bread about. So breaking bread um, has the vision of spreading God's ideas and his ways, making his ideas and his ways popular in our day, in these last days. Praise God. Praise God. Making his idea. Scripture says that a time will come that the knowledge of God will cover the earth as waters covers the seas. Praise God. That time is now. That time and day is now. We're going to be looking much more into, you know, I want to explain. I want to explain the idea behind the vision. Do you understand? So that as many as are willing to embrace it will be able to run with it. Do you understand? So we are making God's idea and his ways popular in these last days. We are making his idea and his ways popular. We're making it the prevailing thoughts in the minds and in the hearts of people. Praise God. And one of the missions is that we do, we, we are influencing culture through teaching and discipleship. We are influencing culture through teaching and discipleship. That's our number one mission. Influencing culture through teaching and discipleship. If you can write that down, please write it down. Um, I want to read to us, or I want us to read from Matthew chapter 28. I just want to explain something. We are going to go into the Bible study. 
Matthew chapter 28, from verse 19 to 20. Popular scripture in the body, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, from verse 19. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hallelujah. It says, go therefore, go therefore. And the mandate we do emphasize is that God wants us to preach the gospel. Yes, God definitely wants us to preach the gospel. Praise God. God definitely wants all men saved. Hallelujah. But particularly, God wants us to raise nations. He says, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. He says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So it doesn't end with them hearing the gospel. There were some things that the disciples had learned. There were some things that Jesus had shown them. He said, teaching them. Another translation says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Hallelujah. We are sent to teach nations. We are sent to disciple nations. Praise God. That's the mandate. Go and teach nations. Go and disciple nations. So in as much as you preach the gospel, in as much as you promote the gospel through whatever medium, it doesn't end with the gospel. You're supposed to teach nations. Teach them. He says, teach, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. What are those things that God has commanded us to teach? What are those th- things? Hallelujah. Praise God. So the mandate is to teach. It's a calling to teach. Praise God. And that's what that's what I titled um, this teaching. I titled it Didasco. It means to teach. It means teaching. It means teaching. Hallelujah. Let's go to Micah chapter 4 from verse 1 to 3. All right. All right. Micah 4 from verse 1 to 3. It says, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days, or in the last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and peoples shall flow to it. Verse 2, many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples, and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Hallelujah. 
He says, it shall come to pass in these last days. This is what is going to happen in these last days. And so the, the term last days is something, if you, if you are um, a Bible student, it's something that you see recurring in scriptures. And what last days refers to is the period of time between Christ's death, burial, and resurrection and his second coming. Do you understand? So the period between his death and resurrection and his second coming are what scripture refers to as the last days. So currently we are in the last days. Praise God. And we see it littered across scriptures. A lot of prophecies regarding the last days. One of which in Acts chapter 2 from verse 17, the advent of the spirit. Um, Peter addressing the, the multitude. He says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Hallelujah. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. There are a lot of prophecies about the last days. And it will do you well as a Bible student, as, as someone sensitive in the spirit, to pay attention to those prophecies because it is actually talking about our time. Hallelujah. It's talking about our time. I mean, if it does not freak you out that certain things that the the Bible prophesied about these times are already happening. If it does not freak you out, then then you are missing you are missing something. You've not been paying attention enough. Hallelujah. It should freak you out. There should be there should be all the more an urgency. Hallelujah. I want us to look at some of them. We've seen um Acts chapter 2 from verse 17 talking about the the pouring of the spirit and in the last days I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And upon your um upon your handmaidens and and men servants will I pour out my spirit. Hallelujah. Let's look at another one. Second Timothy three one. Second Timothy three one. I want you to pay attention to to this. Second Timothy chapter three from verse one. It says, But know this that in the last days perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy unloving unforgiving slanderers without self-control brutal despisers of good traitors headstrong haughty Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Hallelujah. It says in the last days, this is what will happen. And it's happening. I mean, the blind can see it. Even the blind can see it. That these things have started happening. These are the things, these are the events that will happen in these last days. And you would do well as a Bible. See, this is one thing that Bible study will do, do for you. It will open your mind. It will open your mind. You begin to pay attention 
more to things that are urgent. Hallelujah. You can't, you can't have a sense of urgency without, you know, paying attention to Bible study, paying attention to those things that were written. Hallelujah. All right, let's look at James chapter 5, verse 3. It says, Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you. And will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in these last days. Praise God. So James, this was James talking to those who um those who placed confidence in their riches. Praise God. He was also signifying that in these last days, men many would would pursue riches. Praise God. They will pursue um things that perish things that have things that are of no eternal value men will pay more attention to those things hallelujah second peter 33 second peter 33 te basheketele manekos second peter 33 sombele bahatesash it says Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. Praise God. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Praise God. So he's saying in these last days, scoffers, those who, those who will mock the truth, they will come in these last days. And they're already here. He talks about in um, John talks about in First John about the Antichrist, how that he was prophesied to come and is already among us. Hallelujah! Praise God! This is a clarion call to you. Wake up! Let's let's start paying attention to the things that are urgent. Hallelujah! All these things. Are prophesied about the last days. I mean, in the book, in Matthew, in the Gospels, Christ gives a more in-depth, in a more in-depth knowledge because the disciples came and asked him, "Tell us of the things that will happen in these last days." He says, "Many of you will suffer persecution." Hallelujah. He says, "Nation will be turned against nation." Praise God. So many of the things he says. There will be outbreaks of pestilence. There will be sickness. There will be famine. There will be floods. Hallelujah. And all these things are pointers to the second coming. They were pointers. He said these things are pointers. He says when you see these things, know that the Son of Man is near. He is near. Praise God. Praise God. So we gauge... We gauge the work that we have here on earth based on, you know, the second coming of Christ, based on these signs. Hallelujah. It's how that, it's how that, um, um, what, what example can I use? Um, okay, you, you, you're, let's, let's use this example. You're playing a game. For those of us who have played video games, I know everyone, 
I mean, in some way you would have you would have played a video game. It is when you see enemies coming. That's when you know you're on the right path. Praise God. In the same way, the more of these signs we see, the nearer the second coming is. Praise God. You need to get this. You need to get this. It's called the last days. Some of us live as if, you know, we live like those who don't believe that there is a second coming. There is no urgency. Praise God. These things, these things should, these things should freak you out. Christ is coming soon. I can't, I, I mean, I can't remember, I can't remember the last time I heard that. I'm sure it's been a while you heard that too. Christ is coming soon. Christ is coming soon because it's like we've started focusing on, on other things, some of which are just frivolities. Christ is coming soon. Don't you get it? He's coming soon. Many of these things won't matter anymore. Hallelujah. Many of all these things that we chase won't matter anymore. The the only things that will stand, the only things that will remain in eternity are the things that God has committed into your hands to do. Those are the things that will stand. Those are the things that will last. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So there is there is a need, there is an urgency. There is an urgency. And in as much as in as much as we see terrible signs in these last days, there are also good signs. One of which I read in one of which we just read in Micah chapter 4. It says, um in the last days, in these last days. People will say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Hallelujah. These are these things that you should be on the watch for. Praise God. I hope we know that the reason why there were scribes and Pharisees, those who, who kept the law, those who were custodians of the law, the reason why they had the law was so that they would be able to recognize when the Messiah came. Do you know that it is so that because of the prophecies they've received, praise God, that he will be born in Bethlehem, all the signs, all the signs that were, were given to them by the prophets. I hope you know that Peter says in First Peter chapter 2, um, from verse 9, he says that holy men wrote, you know, in the Old Testament, holy men, we were talking about the prophets and the scribes. Since holy men wrote as they were inspired by the Spirit. They wrote the scriptures as they were inspired. Then in chapter 2, he says that many of those things which they wrote, they did not understand. They had no insight into those things. And so whenever, you see in those days, whenever a prophet appears, a scribe always stood beside him. Praise God. A scribe, scribes always stood beside them to write those things that they were saying. That was how we that was how they received the scriptures. And those things were supposed to be a pointer. Jesus Christ was addressing the Pharisees. He says, You search the scripture, for in them you think 
for in them you think you um you have eternal life but they are they which testify of me hallelujah so the things written in scriptures the old testament were pointers were supposed to point them to christ so that when he comes they will be able to recognize him and receive his ministry hallelujah that was what it was for Signs are a pointer. They are not just signs for, praise God, but we have become a generation that pays no attention to signs. Hallelujah. Let's not be blind. We have come into the light. We have received these things. Let us pay attention to them. They are for a reason. And so we now see in scripture that these things prophesied about the last days I appointed to Christ's second coming. And we have begun to see them. It's happening. It is happening. It is happening. Praise God. So there should be an urgency. Oh, that these things were prophesied. Oh, I've seen this scripture fulfilled in my day. Praise God. It means the times are near. It means the times are near. It means the times are near. Hallelujah. I want us to I want us to um do a quick study in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Let's start from chapter 2. Because chapter 1 was just um Paul um just in, making introductions and all those things. Praise God. Chapter 2. So, um, Paul's second letter, pay attention. Paul's second letter to Timothy was um, a very special time or moment in his ministry. It was at the height of his ministry. He knew he was about to die. Praise God. He knew he was about to die. So, many of the things that he wrote were very emotional. They were very emotional. It's kind of like when a father is on his dying bed, and, you know, he calls his children together and he starts charging them. You get moments like that are very important. They are very serious. And so that was the kind of moment it was here. Praise God. So it was, it was at the height, it was at the epitome of Paul's ministry, you see here, if, if for those who have read it before, he was talking about how that he had, he had fought the good fight. He had kept the faith. And he was charging him to keep the faith also. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Second Timothy chapter two from verse one. It says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Hallelujah. So he, he's giving him an instruction. Those things that you've heard from me, commit these things. Praise God. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a father passing down his will to his descendants, to his children. These things that you've heard from me, 
these things that I have committed to you, pass them down. Teach them. Hallelujah. Pass them down to people. Commit this to faithful men who will be able to commit it to others also. Praise God. Verse 3. It says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4. No one engaged, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Hallelujah. So he talks about it. He paints it in the light as warfare. Praise God. He paints it in the light as warfare, in which we are still going to look at. Hallelujah. Verse 5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Praise God. He won't be crowned. You won't receive the prize. If you are, if you are for example, a, a runner, if you are a lifter, praise God, in a competition, we know those who, um, those who participate in these sports. The, Olymp- the Olympics is an example. No matter, how, no matter how much you can lift, praise God, you won't receive the prize until you participate according to the rules. And we, we have become like that in this time, in this our generation. Praise God. We want to, we want to do ministry comfortably. We want to do ministry, we want to do ministry from our comfort zones. Praise God. You can't do it that way. There is a way, there is a pattern in which it was done. Praise God. Do you think, do you think that you, you can read about the apostles, Peter, Paul, you can read about the way they, they went about doing ministry. Do you think you can read about it and then do ministry differently and get the same results? Praise God. You can't do it that way. Praise God. Some people, some people contended for these things with their flesh and blood. Praise God. The Bible that you read, the Bible that you have in your hands, that's if you have a physical one. Praise God. Even the soft copy. Some people died. Some people give their lives for that thing that sometimes, for that thing that sometimes we trivialize, that we go weeks without reading. Some people saw, saw it important enough for them to give their lives for it. Praise God. Then you think that you can come do ministry comfortably and then go. And then go. Praise God. I have news for you. It, it, it's not going to work that way. Praise God. Because we found a way to, to go to, to, to comfort ourselves in these things. We found our way to do things comfortably. You don't want to stress yourself. Hallelujah. You can't do it that way. There is a pattern. And Paul is telling you now that except it is done that particular way, you're not going to get the prize. You're not going to get the prize. It's not even about 
doing bare minimum. It's not about trying. Praise God. It is about doing it the way it is meant to be done. And so Paul calls it warfare. He says, no one engaged in warfare. You can't see, you can't see someone who is in the army, who is going to war. He does not bother himself about the, um, you know, the minor affairs of the world. Praise God. He does not care about, um, those people who are quarreling with one, one another. Praise God. He does not care about what is going on on Insta blog Niger. He does not care about. He does not care about BB Niger. He does not entangle himself with the affairs of this world. Hallelujah. Because he's going to war. He's prepared to. He's prepared to put his life on the line. He's prepared to give himself in battle for his cause. Hallelujah. This was how this was how the apostles saw ministry. This is how ministry is. Praise God. Because we've been sold this idea that ministry is for our own benefit, is for our own glory. And so when when it, we can't do ministry any other way apart from the way we've seen it. Praise God. Praise God. Verse 5. Um, all right. Verse 5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You must compete according to the rules. You must do it the way it is meant to be done. You must do it the way it's meant to be done. You have to do it the way it's meant to be done. Praise God. Praise God. Let's jump to verse 14. We're reading 2 Timothy 2 from verse 14. It says, he was charging him. Paul, we're still talking about Paul and Timothy. He was charging him. He says, remind them of these things. Charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Verse 15, it says, But be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Praise God. And so you remember um, the first scripture that we read, Matthew 28 from verse 19. And how that he says to go into all the world, to preach the gospel to every creature. Praise God. It says be diligent. Be diligent to present yourself. Be diligent. It is workmanship. It is workmanship. Be diligent at it. Praise God. You are the one who will present yourself approved to God. You will present yourself approved to God. It says a workman that that needs that does not need to be ashamed. A workman that does not need to be ashamed. This is how to do ministry. This is how to fulfill what God has placed in your hands. This is the way it was done. And this is someone 
who has had so much experience. He was at, he, he was nearing the end of his ministry and he's advising his son. He's telling him, this, learn the ropes. These are the ropes. This is how to do it. Praise God. We need to, we, we need to hear this in this generation. It says, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Verse 16, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hallelujah. So there's a lot of falsehood out there. There are a lot of wrong doctrines, and you cannot just sit by. Praise God. You cannot just... Let me tell you something. Everyone is called to teach. Everyone is called to teach. Praise God. I, I know some people think that God is... Kingdom financier is not, is not a calling. Praise God. Prayer warrior is not a calling. Everyone is called to teach. We are all called to teach. He says, go into all the nations. Praise God. Teaching them to observe the things that I have commanded you. We are all teachers. Praise God. It's not, some, it's not for some select few. And so many have just stylishly, you know, escaped responsibility. Verse 4, he talks about it as warfare. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself. You don't concern yourself with certain things. You have a focus. Um, Jude was writing to the churches in diaspora. And he says that, I thought at first to write to you of common salvation, but... I saw it that it was more needful for me to write to you to contend for the faith. To contend earnestly, I beg your pardon, to contend earnestly for the faith. The, the Greek word there is epagonizomai, to contend earnestly. It's contention. It's a battle. It's warfare. It's warfare. We are contending. We are contending. Let me tell you something. The message, the message of the gospel is not just the good news. It's also a weapon. Praise God. It's a weapon. Scripture in Acts chapter 19 from verse 20 says that the word of God grew. It increased and multiplied. It prevailed. It prevailed. The testimony of that city was that people took People took all their idols, praise God, all their artifacts of curious acts. They took, they took everything and burnt it. Do you know what that means? That day, idolatry was sacrificed. It was put to death. The word of God prevailed. The word of God was the prevailing thought. It was the prevailing idea in the hearts of people, in the hearts of men. Because it's a weapon. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 4 to 5 says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
he was talking about his apostleship. He was talking about his preaching. He says, my preaching is a weapon. By it, I pull down strongholds in the hearts of men. I, I cast down ideas and imaginations, false thoughts. By this gospel, by this gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation, I pull those things down. Hallelujah. He was, he was talking to um, the brethren which were at, I think, Ephesus. He says, pray for us that the word of God may have free course and be glorified. Pray for us. He says, thanks be to God who causes us to triumph. Praise God. And through us spreads the savor, spreads his fragrance in every place. In a, this was the idea. This is the idea behind ministry. This is it. Whatever you are doing, hallelujah, whatever you are doing, whatever God has told you to do, it should contribute to this. It should contribute to this. It should contribute to nations being discipled. It should continue, it should contribute to nations being taught. Praise God, because it's not enough to hear the gospel. They need to be taught. They need to be discipled. Hallelujah. It happened in, it happened in the time of the apostles. After a while, people began twisting the gospel. They began twisting the message because it's not enough to hear the message. People need to be taught. People need to be grounded. Hallelujah. The message is not just words. It's a weapon. It's our weapon of warfare. By it, we pull down strongholds in the hearts of men. We pull them down. We cast down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself, we cast it down by your teaching. Let me tell you something. The message is that potent. The message is that potent. The word of God in partnership with the spirit is powerful. It is our weapon of warfare. We don't fight with any other. Praise God. It is by, if, if it was by prayer alone, why did Paul have to stand before Caesar? Why did Paul have to stand before Caesar? I mean, about two times, prophecy came to Paul because he knew, he knew where God was leading him to. He, he knew what God would have him do. And so Agabus, who was a prophet, came. You know, he, he bound himself. He bound him, his, his hands and his feet. And he says, and he was, he was talking to Paul. He says, where you are going to, this is how they will bind you. He was just letting him know that you will suffer persecution. You will be imprisoned. You will be captured. And Paul said he knew. He knew. Praise God. In fact, some people were begging him not to go. Praise God. Some people were begging him not to go. Just the way some people are in this day are trying to escape this responsibility. 
But he knew what he had to do. God wanted him to stand before Caesar. He wanted him to bring the gospel to Caesar's house, to Caesar's household. If it was by prayer, they would have prayed now. They would have prayed. Praise God. Still on 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, from verse 1 to 5. 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 5. It says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Verse 2, he says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. I can, I mean, I can sense, I can sense the desperation in Paul's, in Paul's writings. I can sense how important this thing is to him. <clears throat> he says, I charge you before, before God. And before Jesus Christ, the same God who will judge the living and the dead, the same God, I charge you before this God. He says, preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. This is God's charge to you. Preach the word. How long do you want to be silent? How long? What are you waiting for? Who are you waiting for? Who do you think will take up this work? Praise God. Who do you think will take up this work? How long? It says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready to speak. Be ready to teach. At every point in time. Praise God. I'm currently doing a, a, a study in, on the book of Acts with um, some friends of mine. And one thing that just, you know, I picked at my heart was how that God was just using anybody. He could, he could, he could use anybody. He could use anybody. There is a way... There is a way that the early church did Christianity that we we do we have no idea about. Praise God. God could God could speak to Ananias in a vision, in an open vision. He says, Ananias, and Ananias will respond. Praise God. Ananias will respond. God could tell Philip, you know what? Join yourself to the chariot of that man. And after preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit will whisk him away by the Spirit and take him to another city. How that God will send his angel to Cornelius and say, send for Peter. Because these people lived ready. They were ready. At every point in time, they were ready. They were ready. They had the word of God in their mouth. It was, at, it was on their lips. Praise God. How many, how many of you can boast? Can you boast? Can you boast now that no matter where you are, you are ready? Praise God. Your armor is ready. Your weapons are ready. 
Can you boast about that? That God can arrest you at any time. God can use you at any point. Praise God. If you can't confidently boast in that, then you probably haven't started. Or you just need to you just need to get better. Praise God. It says preach the word. Second Timothy 4:2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince. Rebuke. Exhort. Do these things. You can't. You can't afford to, to just sit down and be idle and allow so many things to be happening. Praise God. You can't afford to, to be on a neutral ground. You know what? Many people these days, believers, don't, are not ready to pick a side. They are not ready to pick a side. They don't want to, they are not ready to deal, they are not ready to deal with what comes with standing for Christ, especially in this day. They are not ready. Praise God. It says rebuke, exhort. Falsehood should not be thriving in your day. It should not. You can't afford to keep quiet regarding these things anymore. Hallelujah. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And teaching. Verse 3 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Remember when we spoke about the last days. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. So he's saying, if you do not teach them, if you do not. If, if you do not convince, if you do not rebuke, if you do not exhort, if you do not teach them, they will heap up for them for their own self-teachers. It just uh, furthermore emphasizes the fact that everyone is to teach. There is no, there is no, oh, everyone is to teach. It says they will heap up because you are not ready. Because you are not ready to teach. They will heap up for themselves teachers, having itching ears. Verse 4, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. They would rather believe wrong things. They would rather believe wrong things. And you that has the truth, you'll be quiet. You'll be wondering what's happening. You'll be wondering what's happening. You see, I'm tired I'm tired of, of people complaining about what is happening in our day. Praise God, when you are the solution, I'm tired. If everyone stopped complaining and began to identify their places, began to identify what they should do, things will start to get better. Things will start to get better, but we, we would rather complain. We love to complain. We would rather complain. Hallelujah. Verse 5. It says, But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. This is the ministry. Praise God. Um. 
probably at uh, probably uh, I was thinking probably for December's Bible class or January's Bible class. I want I want to I want us to do a Bible study on ministry. So many people don't know what ministry is. I mean, we all grew up with the idea of how ministry is supposed to be done. And so we all want to do ministry a, a certain way. Praise God. We've not received wisdom. We, we all just want to copy. Praise God. Also, this person is planting churches. Probably planting churches is the way. No. That's not the that's not the idea behind ministry. The, in the context in which it was used in scripture, that is not ministry. Praise God. Probably this month, or it will be it will most likely be January's Bible class. Praise God. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Many people are not ready to endure the afflictions that come with standing as a minister. And I'm telling you again, you can't do you can't do ministry different from the way the apostles did it. Praise God. And the thing is, not everyone, not each and every one of us are called to the same passions. Do you get what I'm saying? We're not all called to the same passions. You might not be called to die for his name. Praise God. Even though dying for his name is a, is a honor. It, Paul saw it as the greatest honor of his life. The apostles saw it as the greatest honor of their lives. But not everyone is called to suffer, to suffer and die for his name. Praise God. But we are all called to bear the cross. You will carry, you will carry the, the cross. You will carry it. Praise God. And carrying the cross is not easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. It wasn't easy for God himself. Why do you now think you can take the easy way out? You can do soft ministry. You are not ready to embrace the afflictions that come. Praise God. Endure afflictions. Endure it. It's a fact. In case you don't know. If you want to do ministry, you will suffer afflictions. You would, you would have to go through a lot. You would have to go through a lot. Paul in Second uh, Corinthians chapter two, chapter eleven, he was talking about all the things he had to endure. He was hungry, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten. At one point, at one point, he escaped death. There was a time they they had stoned him. And then they thought he was dead. Or probably some theologians say he was dead, actually. And so they just, you know, when somebody is dead, they, they now left him. And after a while, scripture says he stood up. Praise God. Do you think, do you think people who went before you will give their lives? They will give their lives for this message, to preserve this message in its form, in the original form. Do you think they will go through all that? And then when it comes to your turn, and when it's time for you to pass it to another generation, you think you can, you can do it, you know, differently in a way that is convenient for you, in a way that is comfortable. 
you are deceiving yourself. You are you are lying to yourself. Praise God. Paul says that those who compete in a race, except they compete according to the rules, they won't receive the prize. You can't do ministry any other way. You can't do it any other way. You can't do it any other way. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill it. Like Paul, come to a point in your life where like Paul in verse 6 will say, for I am ready, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That when you come to the end of your days, you will be able to beat your chest and say, I did not do it substandard. In fact, I even did it better. I was more zealous. Praise God. When, I re- when I'm receiving my prize, when I'm with all the other witnesses who have gone ahead of me, praise God, I would stand and I would be able to boast that I, even, I worked more. I worked more because Paul made that boast. Paul made that boast. I worked more. The, the goal is, is not, they did not do all that just so that you can do ministry easier. They didn't do all that so that it will be softer for you. No. No. There is a standard in the kingdom. And it just so happens that in this, our dispensation, we are fighting different battles. We are fighting different battles. It's the, many of us do not understand the warfare. We do not understand. We do not. So we don't know how to fight. We don't know how to fight. And like I said earlier, the weapon of our warfare is the word of God. Is teaching and discipling nations. That's our weapon. Praise God. Are we together? Do you get this? Do you get it? Let there be, let there be an urgency in your day. Let there be another. The last days are upon us. It is here. And we have seen all the signs. We have seen all the signs. Bright red like this, staring at us. We are in those days. Let there be an urgency in your heart. Let there be an urgency in your heart. Let's do, let's do a quick exposition on Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Are we together? Acts chapter 17, from verse 1. It says, Now when they had the day, uh, the uh, Paul, Silas, and um, Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas, and Timothy. Timothy was with them, but um, Timothy was still learning under Paul. So he wasn't considered a partner. Praise God. Just, you know, something you should know, background. Acts 17 from verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. 
So some Jews resided in Thessalonica and they had a synagogue, simple and straightforward. Remember how, remember how I taught um, us to do Bible study? You know, you take the verses, you, you, you understand each verse as it progresses. Do you understand? All right. Verse 2. Then Paul, as his custom was, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. For three Sabbaths, for three weeks, for three weeks, reasoned with them from the scriptures. To reason means he had he had a discussion with them. There was an engagement. So they asked questions. He gave answers. Do you understand what I'm saying? He reasoned with them from the scriptures. Come, let's sit down. This is what scripture is saying. This is what it is saying. Verse 3, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. So he was explaining to them that, oh, that man that you heard about, because um, word has spread, Jesus was famous in his day. And so word word spread about uh, what spread about him concerning his death. Praise God. So people knew about it. The nations knew about it. Oh, that there was this mighty prophet walked miracles, you know, and then he was crucified. So people knew about it. And so here Paul was reasoning with these people, arguing with these people that it was actually prophesied that he will suffer these things and be killed. Hallelujah. Then he says, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. That Jesus that died, that you heard of that died, eh, he's the Christ. It was prophesied that he would suffer these things that he suffered. Are you getting it? Verse 4. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, that is many of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. So a great multitude, praise God. So they were a lot. And like I said, I think in, was it the previous Bible study we had, that a multitude is a number between ranging from 5,000 to 10,000. Praise God, a huge, a large number. That's what a multitude is. Verse 4. Um, okay, sorry, verse 5. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them to the people. But when they did not find them, so they were looking for Paul and Silas, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Praise God. These who have turned the world upside down. There is this um, popular saying. It says God was walking in Paul and Silas, turning the world right side up. Right side up. It says these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them. So who was Jason? Jason was, um, he's 
his house was where the church, you know, usually met. Usually had services. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they had these things. So when they had taken security, when they had taken security from um, Jason and the rest, they let them go. Verse 10, then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews again, as their custom was. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. So the Bereans were more open-minded people. They were not skeptics. In that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Praise God. So in as much as they had an open mind, they always, theologians say that, it was their culture. It was their culture to daily search the scriptures. It was a discipline for them. Daily searching the scriptures. Daily. Attesting to whether these things were true. Are these things so? Are these things so? Praise God. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks Prominent women as well as men. Praise God. 13. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also instead of the crowd. So they were angry. Those at Thessalonica were angry. And then, you know, they came to Berea again to chase them. Verse 14. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So only Paul went away. Verse 15, so those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. So the moment he got to Athens, he immediately sent for Paul and Silas to come. Verse 16, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked. His spirit was provoked. KJV says, his spirit was stirred in him. His spirit was stirred in him. His spirit was stirred in him. When he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Ah, no, no, no. He couldn't take it. He couldn't take it. He was provoked. Hallelujah. Verse 17. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Praise God. And this we see for the third time, him going to the synagogues, him going to the public places where people are. Stop shying away. Stop shying away from arguments. Praise God. Go to where go to where people are. Go to where you know where you you know where those false ideologies are thriving. You know where they are. Go there. Reason with them. Reason with them. Let me tell you something. 
in the coming year, this is something the Lord had told me. Um, we are going out. We are putting ourselves. You can't, you can't afford, especially if, if um, if you if you if you are following this um Bible study, if you are following Bible class, this is this is the equipping God is doing in you. This is what God is doing in you. You are going out there. You are going out there. Praise God. You are going. There is no. Praise God. I, I mean, I don't know where where we we get some of the mentalities that we have these days. It was not. It was not a second option for the disciples. It was not a second option for them. You meet some people and say, "I don't. I don't think I'm ready." You don't think. What do you mean? You don't think you are ready? You don't think you are. Put yourself out there for God's sake. Put yourself out there. Everybody is shining away. Who will now do the? Who will do this thing? Who then will do it? Who then will do it? Praise God. He reasoned in the, therefore, he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily, daily with those who happen to be there. Verse 18. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. Certain Epicurean so who are the who were the Epicureans? The Epicureans were those whose philosophy was um, that they believed they believed pleasure was the utmost goal in life. Ple- our purpose is found in pleasure. Praise God. So they 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 do not believe in suffering. Praise God. They 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 don't want any suffering. They they never embraced suffering as part of you know their purpose all they all they focused on all they thought was pleasure praise god all they thought was pleasure some so I, okay I, yeah i think i think it's them so the epicureans believed in god but they did not believe that they, be, they did not believe in god but they believed there was a god and their belief was that that god had nothing to do with man or has nothing to do with man. Praise God. So these were the ideologies that were prevalent in that time. These, these were the ideologies that Paul had to cast down in the hearts of men. So you need to know, you need to know how efficacious your teaching ought to be. You need to know how prepared you ought to be. Praise God. It talks about the Stoics. Who were the Stoics? The Stoics um, believed that um, uh, the Stoic. Okay, so regarding the re- religion, the Stoics believed that um, there there were many gods. They believed there were many gods. Um, they believed that whatever comes to you, whatever you experience in life, is purpose, either good or bad. They were ready to receive it. They were ready to take it. They were moralists. Praise God. They were moralists. But they did not believe in a true God. So these were the people, I mean, so many different ideologies and philosophies. Praise God. So many that he had to wrestle with. That he had to cast down. 
Verse 18, certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them that Jesus, he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 19, and they took him and brought him to Areopagus. That is, it was a, a gathering, a council gathering. Praise God. So they gave him audience because what he was saying sounded interesting. So in those days, they usually had courts, you know, where they would come and present ideas. Hallelujah. You know, talk about um, interesting ideas that they just learned. Praise God. Areopagus saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. Verse 20, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. 21, for all the Athenians and foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but to either tell or to hear some new thing. To either tell or to hear some new thing. I'm not going to dwell, dwell on that. Verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of the, of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very superstitious. For as I was passing through and considering the object of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. So he's saying this God does not actually need that temple. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. 26. And he has made from one, bl from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. Though he is not far from each, each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art or man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of to this to, to all by raising him from the dead. Hallelujah. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, praise God. Look at the defense Paul gave. He stood before all of them, and I mean it was such it was such a beautiful presentation. Praise God. 
you need to develop this to be able to stand and reason with people. Take the, taking the word of God, using it as a weapon. Praise God. Develop it as a skill. This message that you've, that you've had, fashion it. Fashion it into a weapon. Develop it, build it. That you can stand like Paul anywhere, impromptu, and render such a speech as this. Such a compelling speech. Praise God. Verse 33, so Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed, and believed. among them Dionysius and Areopagites. Okay, Dionysius, the Areopagite. So that means one of the council of Areopagus joined him. Praise God. That was how compelling his speech was. A woman named Damaris and others with them. And others with them. Hallelujah. Praise God. So just by that presentation he gave, he had one disciples. He says they joined them. They joined them. They joined them. We need to be compelling in our day. We need to be compelling. We need to be compelling. Because we have a compelling message. We need to be compelling. Praise God. Praise God. Are we together? Are we together? Speak. Speak in such a way that you cannot be gainsaid. Speak in such a way that you cannot be gainsaid. Scripture in Acts chapter 6 those who those who were arguing with um Stephen scripture says that they could not resist the words by which he spoke i mean they could not resist the spirit by which he spoke he spoke so full of wisdom that they couldn't resist it we see in matthew chapter 22 three sets of people came to him the scribes the pharisees and um those who were followers of Caesar, they came and asked him three different questions. You know, um, uh, is it is lawful to, to pay tribute to Caesar? The Sadducees came and asked a, a very absurd question. You know, if a man marries his wife, you know, and he dies, by law, his brother can take his wife. If that one too dies, and Jesus answered in such a brilliant way that scripture says that they marveled at his wisdom. At the end of that chapter, scripture says, said that no man, no one came to ask him any other question after that day. Praise God. That should be you. That should be, that's how compelling you should be. That's how compelling you should be. They brought a woman caught in adult, caught in the very act of adultery before him. All he said, if any of you is without sin, cast and one by one, one by one, that's how compelling you should be. Praise God. 
Take this message for God's sake and war with it. War with it. War with it. Cast down ideologies. Praise God. That is, that is what has been committed to us. It says, teach nations, disciple nations. Teach and disciple nations. Praise God. And so, um, this is an instruction that the Lord has given me. Um, from now, we're going to be doing, I don't know when this is going to happen, So, but I just want to say it. We're going to be doing trainings. Do you understand? We're going to be doing trainings. How to answer people. Do you understand? How to, how to defend the gospel. How to. You can be trained in it. You can be trained in it. How to, how to witness to Muslims. How to witness to Jehovah's Witness. Praise God. How to witness to atheists. How to speak. There is a way to do it. There is a training. Praise God. Are we ready for this? Well, I, I don't know when we're going to start particularly, but soon. We'll start soon. Maybe, um, let's, let's enter the new year first. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We are going out there. We are going, let's start challenging this idea, these ideologies that have been running free for so long. Let's start challenging them. Let's start. And then you will see how, you will see how quiet, praise God, you see how they, they even lack any foundation. Many of them are based on the feelings and, you know, vain ideas of men when brought side by side with the truth. If someone who is skillful handles the truth, there's nothing you cannot pull down. There is nothing you cannot pull down. Praise God. We are going out there. I want you to get ready for it. We are going out there. We are going out there. There is an urgency. It's an urgency. Praise God. We are making God's ideas and his ways popular. Influencing culture through teaching and discipleship. Praise God. We are discipling people. No more. You can do it. You are doing, you are going to do it. Please ready yourselves. Ready yourselves. We are going out there. We are going out there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right. Share with people. Share with people. I'm telling you, by the end of next year, there will be disciples. I've seen it. I've seen it. We will raise men. We will raise, we will raise men. Those who, those who have been known to be hard-hearted. Those who have been known to be hard-hearted. Those who, you know, they've sworn in their hearts that they will never serve this God. We will raise them as disciples come next year. We are ready for them. We are, we are coming for them. We are coming for them. Praise God. All right. So, um, that's, I think that's, that's all for it for, for this, um, Bible study meet. Um, I don't know when Bible class would be yet, but I would let us know. Please invite people. 
let them know this is what is going on. Do you understand? Share, share. Uh, I think we have our, our community, community links, right? Share them with people. Praise God. Praise God. Share them with people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Um, our Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word that has come to us. We ask, oh Lord, that you help us. You help us. We are not hearers alone. We are doers. You are doers. For your spirit works in us both to will and to do. It gives us the willingness to do. So we are doers. We are doers in the name of Jesus. We make a difference. We are making that difference. We are doers. Hey, we are doers and our profiting, our profiting, I'm telling you, our profiting is appearing unto all, all men. Our profiting is appearing unto all men. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. I want to thank you. Thank you for, thank you for joining this Bible study. Please, if anyone has any question or you have anything to say, you can always reach out to me.